This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290 WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Today, mostly cloudy chance of showers, high near 43. Slight chance of rain and snow showers tonight with a low around 31. Mostly cloudy Tuesday with a high near 37. A Binghamton man apparently killed himself after city police were sent to his home to check on his welfare last week. Authorities said the man's body was found in the basement of the house at 39 Travis Avenue on the east side. According to police, an officer was sent to the residence at 9.20 a.m. Friday. Police were unable to contact the man at the house or by phone. After officers entered the home, a gunshot was fired from the basement. It passed through the basement ceiling into the first floor. After the gunshot was fired, a SWAT team was deployed. Police sealed off the north half of Travis Avenue, which is a dead-end street. Police executed a search warrant at the residence around 3 p.m. and discovered the body of the man in the basement. According to investigators, the man died of a self-inflicted gunshot, which uh, continued through the first floor of the house. Police said no one else was in the residence and no officers were injured. The name of the man they were checking was not released. Sources say the man may have been missing for a few days. He reportedly worked at Buckingham Manufacturing at 11 Travis Avenue. One person familiar with the situation says someone from the company called police to check on his welfare because he had not reported for work. A man killed four members, including two children, at their Queens home in the New York City area and stabbed two police officers who then shot him to death. Police say the suspect was identified as Courtney Gordon, a 38-year-old Bronx resident who had been visiting family at their home in the Far Rockaway neighborhood. The victims were a 12-year-old boy, 44-year-old woman, a male in his 30s, and an 11-year-old girl. Their identities have not been yet released. The two police officers who were stabbed in Sunday's incident are expected to recover from their injuries. The fatal attack came a week after another knife rampage in the Bronx that took three lives. The fate of a unique collection of IBM Endicott memorabilia remains uncertain as a village museum has extended its closure without explanation. The Endicott History and Heritage Center on Washington Avenue was suddenly shut down in late October. Signs at the museum indicated it would be closed through December 2nd, but new signage indicates it will not open until at least January. The signs in the center's website don't give a reason for the closure. It came after a secret plan to return the IBM collection to the company became public. The museum building is owned by the Old Village of Union Historical Society. Ted Warner, the organization's president, has not returned calls seeking information about the future of the Heritage Center. In a letter dated November 7, Warner wrote that he had been losing money for the past two years. He said the organization's board had been unable to obtain any financial assistance. In the letter, Warner stated the only option and only solution that offered real relief was to end the IBM loan and run out the space to a tenant. Warner's statement noted there was an outpouring of concern about the collection leaving the area. He indicated various ideas to keep the collection in the Endicott area would be considered by the board. 
The board of directors met on November 21st, but Warner has not revealed if IBM has been advised that local residents don't want the company to take the historical items back. New York State could soon start to get more recreational marijuana dispensaries after a judge approved legal settlements to end lawsuits that halted the state's legal cannabis licensing program. These settlements were approved Friday. They lift a court order that has blocked the state from processing or issuing retail marijuana uh, licenses since August following lawsuits against rules that allowed people with drug convictions to open the first dispensaries. State officials said the agreement will allow more than 400 potential retailers to move forward with pending applications to open storefronts. State cannabis regulators this week announced settlements in the cases, with Bryant firmly approving the sale on Friday. The House voted to expel Republican Representative George Santos of New York last week following a blistering ethics report on his conduct that included converting campaign donations for his own use. He's just the sixth member in the chamber's history to be ousted by colleagues, the third since the Civil War. Friday's vote to expel him was 311 to 114. Expulsion required support from two-thirds of the House, a purposely high bar. A scathing House Ethics Committee report that found substantial evidence Santos violated federal laws proved decisive. As it became clear he would be expelled, Santos placed his overcoat over his shoulders, shook hands with conservative members who had voted against his expulsion, and then departed the House chamber. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. News Radio 1290 WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph. This is Binghamton Now. I'm working all with more. I dream of days away. I wanna sing my song. So let the music play. I have to get my kids and fly tonight. And when the clock strikes six on Friday night, I need to fly. I can't wait for the weekend to begin. Well, <laughs> oh my goodness. So there it is. I said it. I can't wait. But I will. I'll wait like a good radio host and not make any more references to it. If possible. 607-772-1290. Hope you had a fine weekend. Seemed to go by quickly, but it was still a great weekend. So uh, call in if you had any special uh, weekend events. Oh, no. I'm talking about uh, members of the squad. <laughs> Let me change channels. Hold on. Oh, 
not on a Monday morning, attacking members of the squad. All of a sudden, that's at least the second story so far this morning I've seen attacking members of the squad. I mean, what have they actually done? I'm unaware of anything that squad members have actually any policies in the United States the squad members have managed to change, but suddenly they're being targeted again by the liberal media. I guess it's not a surprise. I guess they're taking a break from the usual storylines. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just looking. I did... Uh, Stop over at the um, the Speedy Shack and posted a video. Hadn't been over to the Speedy Shack in a while, so the other day, since I was fairly close by, I stopped in because I had a sudden urge for a Speedy Sub and uh, posted that on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at Binghamton Now. And uh, well, we actually posted a few interesting things on Twitter over the weekend, as it turns out, including the uh, Speedy Stop, Saturday Speedy Stop, a must-visit when you're in Endwell, New York, Speedy Shack. A lot of people viewed that video. A lot of other people viewed um, the parade video, at least uh, as we were getting set to go. Out on parade detail in Endicott on Saturday afternoon. That was a lot of fun. So, again, follow us on Twitter. You know, sometimes it's featurey, especially on the weekends. And then during the week, it tends to be filled with some news, including breaking stories. It's on Twitter, at Binghamton Now. 914. Morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Let me introduce myself. My name is John, and I'm a resident of Binghamton. Well, congratulations. You are a member of the Parlor City family. What's on your mind? Well, uh, I'd like to talk about a few things. This first thing I'd like to talk about is uh, I'm not going to mention any names. So we're, we're off the hook on that. Well, be careful because you, you do this and you say you're not mentioning any names when everybody knows who you're talking about. So tread carefully. Okay. I mean, let's uh, face it. This is a small community. We all know who we're all talking about, so be extremely cautious. Well, that would lead me to a discussion that what, as far as political power, what would be the difference between a small community and a large community? For example, uh, Rudy Giuliani's uh, marital affairs are well known. Is right, but my, my point... My point is it's all different here. You can't compare Binghamton with New York City. I see. So you can't. So there's a po another word. So. There's a double standard. Yeah. This is, so you know, this, this community is not served by the New York Post and the Daily News. This community is served by more traditional news organizations. And so that's not typically, although that's fodder for in, in bigger cities, New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, Miami, D.C., and so on, um, the personal proclivities of well-known people, that's not, that's not here in Binghamton. Huh. I mean, you're welcome. And, John, you of all people uh, have the resources 
to do this, to start up your own news organization and do that. But existing news organizations are not not trafficking in in gossip and and alluding to uh, certain challenges of people we know. That's it's not done here. You know that. Huh. Well, I'm trying to figure out like is it would Rochester? I mean, in other words, I don't know population. I, I mean, there what? there is no there is no hard and fast rule. Some of the stuff. That would be covered in Rochester or Syracuse might not be covered here right. in Binghamton or Owego. I don't ask me why. It just that's the way it is. And well, but but don't don't feign surprise because basically look back over oh I don't know the last fifty or hundred years for the most part there have been a few exceptions but for the most part that's the way it's been in 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 the news business in the uh, whether it's for better or worse in journalism in Binghamton now okay if you go back a hundred years ago some things were different you look at the uh, Binghamton press archives from say December 4th of 1923 I'm sure in fact I may do that just uh, as as an exercise since I brought it up because I sometimes look through the archives from 50 years ago or 100 years ago yeah a lot has changed but I can tell you and we'll just say in the last few decades that's just not the type of of story that as a rule is going to get covered here or or going to be on a, a talk show okay well let me let me move to, to the bigger area that you're talking about. Uh, there seems to be one thing, uh, one of the things, uh, that would trigger an instantaneous resignation from a political figure that's been caught. And uh, that is a sexual encounter, uh, consensual, uh, but with a subordinate. Now, if you look at but again, that hasn't always been that way. I'm not yeah. gonna. I'm not going to point out specific cases, but there have been cases since I've been in local news where those things haven't been reported, and people, uh, for whatever reason, apparently there was no outcry for the most part. So again, we have to move on. We're moving on to a different topic because we're not going to get anywhere. This is not you know, the salacious program with uh, rumors du jour. Um, you know, if if you want to, you know, if somebody files legal action, maybe that would be reported on. But we're not well, we're not going to traffic in in that sort of thing well, well, on this I, I, on this program. So let's yeah. let's find a better topic, not not necessarily a more interesting topic, a topic that we can focus on? What about okay. the uh, the roads talk, and, and infrastructure in Binghamton? How about SantaCon? Uh, now the, that is a perfect thing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And now that's the type of topic we can all embrace. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. it, I mean, even the celebrants. Now, okay. I... Uh, did you see the end run around the open container? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I did. And, and it's clever. But again... And this is not new. This has been going on, I don't know, for the last several years. I intentionally avoided Binghamton on Saturday because I saw the spectacle last year. And I was not 
ple- I was not pleased with what happened at SantaCon last year. Uh, sadly, it coincided with um, a work event, so I had to trudge through the uh, debris, broken al- liquor bottles, and human debris. I mean, it was, and that was at John at four. 50 p.m. on a Saturday. It was dark, of course, because it was early December. But uh, it was one of the very few times I really didn't feel safe in Binghamton. But Uh, because we had a scheduled work event. Now, we here at the station, we we learned a lesson. We learned never to schedule any event in Binghamton on the first Saturday of December because nobody is going to go. I, I, like I say, I... Intentionally, although it would have been a good news story, I intentionally avoided Binghamton on Saturday. I'm not going to put myself through that. Okay, you had these jugs, these gallon plastic jugs of punch and empty and some half-filled and some filled with a substance, I don't know. Uh, But they were scattered around uh, the sign at St. Patrick's Church, a beautiful McDivitt finance sign, Uh, red cups all over the place. Uh, and uh, I might add that my tour yesterday, uh, I, I see that the graffiti problem uh, is at an all-time high. Uh, you go in back of the parking ramp to those theaters. You go to uh, Sharon's uh, or whatever that 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 uh, building is that has been, I don't know, twenty-four years. Oh, Sheans, the Sheans, after yeah. the uh, yeah. Eddie Bauer gang. No, that yeah. wasn't the Eddie Bauer yeah. gang. What? Oh, the. Uh, the other gang, because that, yeah. that was one of, I think that was Binghamton's highest profile drug bust because it happened yeah. <laughs> on a weekday. I've never seen yeah. uh, such a, a large-scale drug bust on a, on a weekday yeah. afternoon. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, graffiti is bad as far it's as the... Be- temple. It, yeah. Oh, I, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, graffiti continues to spread out of control. Uh, as far as SantaCon... And I do think we should focus our attention, at least for a moment, on the uh, behavior of the SantaCon celebrants. Again, this is similar, I guess, to the uh, drunken, what do they call it, the drunken crawl that happens every May. It's evidently not organized by any particular individual or organization. Therefore, from a legal standpoint, there's not uh, evidently there's not much that can be done now. If I were mayor, something would be done. But in in recent years, uh, Binghamton mayors and police chiefs have uh, apparently decided to ignore the public safety hazard of having these drunken events that that happen year after year. It's predictable, and the only, as far as I know, and maybe you have information. That would contradict this. As far as I know, nobody died as a direct result of SantaCon this year. Do you have any any uh, new information to suggest any anybody was seriously injured or or killed during the SantaCon in Binghamton? Well, I I hear sirens all. No, I mean about- I know there were lots of ambulance calls because, and I think this is a given for inexperienced drinkers, many of whom are not of legal age, of course, you're going to wind up with several, if not dozens, throughout the day and into the evening that are going to encounter medical problems because they don't know the proper way to use alcohol without without endangering their health. Well, 
I think it's a a sad a sad testimony uh, to to Binghamton, and I think it creates a divide uh, that the students are allowed to get away with things that perhaps uh, other counties would not uh, be allowed to do. Uh, maybe maybe they're allowed to do it now, but there was a striking lack of a police presence. Uh, to me, uh, I, I didn't see. I saw. Uh, you know, I didn't see. Uh, I didn't see a, a policeman at all in my uh, auto and walking tour. Now, maybe I was not there at the right time. Uh, well, I don't know numbers. I know they they had a lot of cops circulating in downtown Binghamton. As far as visibility, I don't know. I just yeah. know. Uh, throughout the afternoon and into the evening, they responded to lots of calls for service, as in people who had too much to drink. They needed some help of some kind, if not medical assistance, maybe at least assistance to uh, get up off the ground. Again, to the best of my knowledge, and, and maybe some of our listeners have more specific information. I haven't heard that anyone was seriously injured during SantaCon. And I, since I intentionally avoided Binghamton Saturday and Sunday because I didn't want to be an eyewitness to this again, um, you know, I'm, I'm not in a position to comment directly, but based on indirect information, I, I know there were a lot of officers in and around the downtown district and on the west side. But well, I, how as about far all as the garbage, well, how I know all? that's that's a constant problem with SantaCon and with the drunken um, graduation crawl. It, it, every year, there's a big problem with the the garbage generated. Well, all I can say, Bob, is uh, I'm sure most people have visited college campuses for one reason or another, their children or whatever, uh, games, ball games, sporting events. Uh, you know. Uh, a college town to me is Chapel Hill, uh, Princeton, uh, Ithaca. Uh, these are college towns. I, I don't think Binghamton is a college town. I, I think it is a, uh, a a bunch of snookies, a bunch of the situation type Jersey Shore type people uh, running around. Uh, some of them are very nice. Some of them are obnoxious. But it, it is not a college town. There is nothing uh to do uh down there except get stoned uh either way you want to whether you want to puff it or chug it down and uh, i, I well, that's think why some people go to college i mean it wasn't it's not like it was invented in the last five years look at animal house wow. you know there there are a lot of people look just because john belushi is no longer with us the uh people the rich, the rich tradition that was, um, well, obviously not started, but documented by the fictional movie called The Animal House. I mean, that, that lives on. It'll always be part of our culture for some well, people. In fact, for a lot of people. So yes, p part of going to college is to get a degree so you can get a job. Another part, though is to, as they say, experience the world before you really have to settle down. I mean, after you graduate, that's, oh, and then, you know, now it's, I've got a nine-to-five job, and Monday morning, they still make me show up no matter what I did over the weekend. Bob, so this is not new, and it's Bob, not unique to Binghamton. Bob, Bob please don't uh, compare uh, what went on in the late 70s 
60s and uh, to the present day to what went on in the 50s and the 40s. Uh, first of all, these colleges were, were not co-ed. There were men and women uh, separated. Uh, yeah, there was drinking, but, uh, you know, to compare, say, the Colgate Inn uh, in 1959 to what's going on now <laughs> is is uh, not valid at all. I mean, come on, Bob. Okay. Okay. I I don't subscribe to that theory. I, I think, yeah, some things have changed. For one thing, now with uh, the weed being legal, I did get some feedback from someone who remarked about uh, SantaCon uh, this year versus past years. There definitely was uh, a more obvious um, odor of cannabis throughout downtown Binghamton than in past years, but that's to be expected. It's been legalized. Our friend Governor Cuomo saw to that. So if people are upset or disappointed by the prevalence of uh, cannabis smoke, in downtown Binghamton, whether it's on Monday mornings or at these big events, you know, call up Andrew Cuomo. He's the one who famously changed his mind about legalization of cannabis. I, I would invite people to look at pictures from Harper College, Binghamton University, uh, 62, 63, 64, in that, in that time frame. Look at pictures of Berkeley, California, 62, 63, all the way up. Look at the Berkeley free speech protesters. A button-down shirts and ties. I knew one of those guys, Sandor Fuchs. Uh, look, I'm telling you, uh, what goes on now, what the behavior that is allowed, and everybody knows this, uh, needs to be managed. And to do it, again, going back to Austin, Texas, uh, you need people that know what they're doing in running a nightlife district, if that's what's going to be. Uh, this is this is raunchy stuff. But nothing's going to change until someone dies. Oh, okay, well... That's what it's going to take, John. That's un unless, unless you think suddenly that a light bulb is going to go on over at police headquarters or, or at City Hall between now and next May and say, you know, we've been, we've been very, very fortunate up to now that there have been no really serious injuries and no deaths, to our knowledge, directly attributable to these fun times, whether it's in May or December or some other fun times, just uh, regular weekend house parties on the west side or downtown. We've been really lucky that it hasn't gotten completely out of hand, but I see no no likelihood that the the current people who control Binghamton are going to suddenly say we we need to clamp down because at one point our luck may run out. Well, let me ask you something. If I'm talking about people 45, 50 that age, you know and up, uh, you know you can drive around Ithaca and you can get out of your car and go eat. Uh, you're not. It's not just the younger. Uh, demographic. It's what's allowed, and 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 and, and what the the municipality allows. What's considered civilized behavior. You can go down there at my age and in Ithaca and sit with younger people and have an enjoyable experience. Uh, I don't think there was any compelling reason uh, during SantaCon for an older person to say, "Geez, I think I'll have a beer and a brew uh, over here. Let's get out of the car." I I I think those people. Those students, that trash, that bridge and tunnel crowd, uh, crowds out uh, a thing. And I, and then let, let me just say one other thing. I don't think people 
wearing flannel pajamas in, in bed on a weekday, on a business day, uh, makes Binghamton a business center. I, I mean, I... Oh, I, speaking of that, I'm looking, and I won't identify with school, but it is one of the major schools in the region. And I'm looking at how many students this morning are going to school wearing pajama bottoms. I'm like, when I went to school, I would ne- never wear a pajama bottom. They, they'd be like, Bob, are you okay? Oh. Bob, did you have problems over the weekend? Did someone steal your jeans? So that's all I'm going to say about that. But yeah, pajama bottoms, I don't know. Times have changed. And I'm not saying for the worst, times have changed. I'm, I'm not complaining. I'm just observing. It's not the society that we have today is not the society that we had 10 years ago or 40 years ago or whenever. Things always change. And let's face it, you know, at some point, we're not there yet, but maybe in coming months, maybe it would be acceptable for me to show up here at the radio station on a Monday morning doing the program wearing pajama bottoms. Maybe I'll try it next Monday to see if we get a response. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We're still saving the Southern Tier money at Galt Toyota. WNBF, Binghamton Now, on a Monday morning with Bob Joseph. the phones we go. James from Binghamton, you're on the air. Mr. Blutarski. <laughs> 0.0. You're going to wind up on triple secret probation. <laughs> yeah, what is he talking about? Like, listen, I understand, like, maybe there could be a little better job corralling Santacon, but, like, if I hear one person uh, a septuagenarian complain about it, Knowing full well the history of the Clinton Street run, like what? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, uh, yeah, but, uh, but every generation has had its its specific. Just because Clinton Street is no longer the center of attention, and now State Street is. I mean, look, you know the the one thing that I think is great about America is people like Flo from Progressive Insurance and somebody like the Speaker. The next speaker of the House of Representatives, Hakeem Jeffries, uh, both probably spent quality time on State Street here in downtown Binghamton. And look, they've they've made great things of their lives. So I, I'm not unduly worried about Binghamton University students having some fun on the weekends. Yeah, I mean, I did end up forgetting about it, and we we drove through to get from one end of town to the other, and drove through that. And yeah, I, John from Binghamton is not incorrect that it's kind of a a spectacle, and there didn't seem to be a whole lot of, well, you know, I, I think the default is people want law enforcement, but maybe the, maybe some seniors should take it upon themselves to form, like, 
like silver brigades for those who want to volunteer and be there with water and look after people and refer anybody who needs help, or maybe a garbage patrol. Like everybody throw a couple bucks into a bill and hire a garbage patrol and put it behind you. I mean, it's, I'm fine with it. If a bunch of college students want to get like regulated in pajamas, uh, so you know, whatever, man. You know, it's hey, at least they had clothes on this year. You know, I mean, sometimes we've heard we've heard uh, suggestions that that some of the SantaCon celebrants were um, insufficiently attired, but I I didn't hear much about that this year. Yeah, it was cold weather, you know. So same thing with the parade. But uh, a quick thing about pajama pants at school, or or, or maybe he's not recognizing that often a lot of those types of clothes are made out of poly fleece, and frankly, are much warmer and drier than say wearing cotton blue jeans this time of year. Uh, so there's a practical reason, I think. I mean, I, I wear pajamas whenever I can. Uh, yeah, well, I'm going to explain. Uh, I'm going to explain that to my manager next Monday, when I saunter yeah. in in wearing my uh, my PJs, and I'm sure she'll say, "All right, Bob, I'll I'll let it go for today, but let's just say it's been noted in your permanent file." Well, and if you were ever on television doing broadcasting under hot lights, which aren't so hot anymore because of LED technology, but under the hot lights, no one would fault you for wearing like board shorts or something under the desk. You oh, know? yeah, and that's uh, another yeah. thing, by the way. The people not familiar with the TV industry, local and national, may not fully appreciate that uh, most, not all, but many of the uh, presenters on TV, yeah, they're, they're dressed pretty nicely from the waist up, but, you know, if, if the director inadvertently takes the wrong shot, you'll see it's like, wow, shorts, <laughs> eh? I mean, men, women, you know, it's, which, hey, that's as long as you look good when you're on camera. But every once in a while, you'll get that, that fluke shot, and it's like, oops, oopsie, which well, is okay. I, I mean, obviously, yeah. uh, obviously, if you're presenting weather, if you're, if you're on one of the TV shows where the weather presentation shows you standing up, you better not be wearing shorts or pajama bottoms. Other than that, if you're at the desk and it's unlike, um, oh, like Fox, <laughs> Fox Cable Channel, their desk is clear, but we know why that is. I mean, you know, they, every, every operation has a reason for how they do it, you know, and I, I don't complain. I just observe. I think, I think it's fascinating. Everybody has a different approach, and we'll see. As I say, we'll see if uh, when I wear my pajama bottoms next week, we'll we'll see what my manager has to say about that. That that might be an interesting article. You should get one of the Christmas onesies, and then like a little like cap, like it's like the night before Christmas or something. Uh, yeah, but I mean, the funny thing, by the way, the funny thing at this place. Now that I talk about it, since it is the holiday season, they're liable to appropriate the idea and have that like one of the days, maybe in a week or two before we break for the holidays and encourage because that's just the type of people they are. Every once in a while, they have like a special day where people, you know, dress up in your favorite team's jersey or whatever, yeah. or Halloween come in a, um, you know, in a costume. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't be shocked that because they want to do that, James, to improve employee morale. So I wouldn't be surprised that uh, sometime between now and December 22nd, they have some sort of thing here at the office where on-air people, salespeople, and even 
dare I say, the engineer, would be invited to show up wearing pajama bottoms just to improve employee uh, morale. They might even serve diet eggnog. Well, I'm sure sure your call screener and producer and team of writers will really appreciate that. They will. They will. You know, the the massive... The massive WNBF organization, <laughs> and, and not to mention the other stations too. I mean, this is ma- This is a massive operation, James. Yeah, so it is the station you can't depend on. Uh, that's not why I called. <laughs> uh, it was just a quick little housekeeping from last week, and I was reminded of it. Uh, in fact, spending some good time downtown yesterday. Uh, shout out to Raphael Gregorian Ballet Theater School, who they've been doing the Nutcracker for like thirty plus years with their students and, uh, and hire and, and professional dancers. And they, it's a great job. There was a lot of people at the forum yesterday. Uh, but as I was walking by the Metro Center, I was reminded of the gentleman who called in uh, last week upset about how much it costs to get out of that parking lot. And so in case you're listening, sir, just a heads up, that parking lot is for patrons of the Metro Center only, business uh, or offices, and you have to either get a, a, a regular pass or you have to get it stamped to get out of there. It's been that way for a long, long time. Uh, it used to be twenty dollars, I thought. They basically try to dissuade anyone who is not using the Metro Center itself from using it. So please, next time, either use a parking garage or find one of the find one of the uh, you know blank spaces that are usually around there, other than when the forum has something going on. Under which case, first assembly God is charging you money to go see your kids dance, but uh, <laughs> to park there. But yeah, that that was all. Uh, I just uh, was reminded of all right. Metro Center. It's for Metro Center patrons only. All right, James. Well, let me know if you see any good bands around here. Uh, uh, yes, I will do that. All right, thank you. <laughs> Give me a heads up if you become aware of anything. Send me oh, an right. email. Yes, yes, I will. I, I will. Uh, in fact, last week we were at the Atomic Times. They had the Alpha Brass Band playing. Uh, uh, Rob Weinberger and some of the old regulars plus some young talent all mixed together with some brass. Check them out at some point, but maybe we should do a music day one of these days. I know you've talked about it before. Yeah, well, maybe, and, uh, maybe yeah. we could do it. Let me just check. Maybe we could do music day this Friday. Let me just double check, make sure we don't. No, we can't do it this Friday. Um, but maybe uh, Friday the 15th, I think, we'll do music day. Okay, all right. All right, all right. we'll follow up on that. All right. All Thank right. you. Thank you. this is Bob Joseph, live and local at News Radio WNBF. On state streets, ah, if you can. At 9:48, back to the phones. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. Hey, Bob. Gary from the West Side. Morning, Gary. What's on your mind? Well, I want to comment on something that I heard over the weekend uh, about sexual identity. Uh, they were talking about, you know, how people. 
people like the uh, sexually, they like the same sex and they like the opposite sex, right? We know that's called bisexual. And then they were saying, like, what do you, they have this term now for people that, you know, those people don't like you back. And that, that term is by yourself. But, but anyway, I was at the uh, hospital. I had a procedure done in one of our local hospitals. And, you know, after you get done, you're all drugged up and you, you can't drive home. So my girlfriend came with me and she had to wheel me out of the hospital in the wheelchair. And I got to tell you, Bob, I didn't like it because all she did, she just pushed me around and talked behind my back. And don't you hate when that happens? <laughs> Bob, you got to chuckle <laughs> well, every I, once in a while. I, I like while, that. I, I, I think I think I may use a variant of that um, uh, in the next one, next day or two. I think it, it's the first time I've heard it, so uh, <laughs> I I will try it, you know. It's good, not an original. Well, I know it's not an original, but the good news is some of the people I hang around with definitely don't listen to the program, so I can probably get away yeah. with that the next time we're oh, hanging yeah. out. You know, they'll be like, oh, that's kind of funny. And then they'll know immediately that it's not Bob's original material because they're very familiar with um, <clears throat> the caliber of my my humor. I was listening to the conversation you and John were having, and uh, I was doing all this stuff, so I'm not sure if you caught this, but you said that, like, nobody has died of anything, like the Santa Cons and stuff. And I don't know if my memory is correct or not, but wasn't there a gentleman who tried to do a handstand on a uh, on a restaurant right downtown on front street there and he fell three stories well there was a guy there was someone at a frat house who was trying to i think he was i think he was trying to uh see if he could make it between the third and fourth floors and it didn't end well i i don't think that had anything to do with um with an organized event i think that was if if my memory serves i think that was just just another frat party I i don't yeah well, you know, people make bad decisions. I'm not saying that students haven't been injured and killed. Um, I know of a number of instances that, like one time during the uh, May Drunk Fest, uh, somebody, actually uh, a student, she fell off the roof of an apartment building on Holly Street. And uh, I went to cover it because I heard her head injury was serious. And the one thing most notable is her fellow students weren't so concerned about her. They were more concerned about me being a reporter. And it, it almost got to the point where I was assaulted. Fortunately, uh, Binghamton police sergeant intervened, so I wasn't beaten to death. But uh, I, I will say the students who were on hand didn't appreciate the harsh spotlight of the media covering huh. a, a student injury. But, you know, it's. I, I was asked directly, do Difficult. I wish to press charges? And I... Didn't want to get any students jammed up um, because I wasn't injured, but charges were a possibility. I decided, nah, nah, you know what? What can you do? They, hey, they weren't happy that the reporter was there, but who is happy when a reporter shows up when one of their friends has been hurt? I, I would be, I would be disappointed too if the yeah. news if the news was covering one of my friends getting drunk and falling off the roof and getting a serious head injury. Hopefully, she fully recovered. 
So yeah, anyway, true. that's just uh, another in the list of things that happens around here. But again, hey, you know again, I was I was very pleased that uh, Binghamton police were on the scene to provide um, protection of of the media. Again, thankfully, I believe believe he was a sergeant. He, uh, I hope I have that right. Anyway, he knows who he is, and he. I'm not saying I would have been dead. I'm saying it, it could have been a case where I would have to visit a local hospital. So, these stories, like the SantaCon and stuff, they're, 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 it's always the same thing, right? Where there's the few that get out of hand and they make it bad for everybody else. Yeah. Most of the people are very respectful and stuff. I remember when I was drinking well, I back know. young. Right, Bob, we would see somebody doing something stupid, and we'd go, look at those idiots. I know. That's the sad truth. I'm not saying anything really changes. I don't think much has changed. It's 9.53, Bob Joseph Live, WNBF. Weather for today, cloudy. Showers developing this afternoon, high 43. Tonight, showers and snow showers, low 31, and tomorrow mostly cloudy, high 37. Right now in downtown Binghamton, it's 43. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Today, mostly cloudy chance of showers, high near 43. Slight chance of rain and snow showers tonight with a low around 31. Mostly cloudy Tuesday with a high near 37. A Binghamton man apparently killed himself after city police were sent to his home to check on his welfare last week. Authorities said the man's body was found in the basement of the house at 39 Travis Avenue on the east side. According to police, an officer was sent to the residence at 9.20 a.m. Friday. Police were unable to contact the man at the house or by phone. After officers entered the home, a gunshot was fired from the basement. It passed through the basement ceiling into the first floor. After the gunshot was fired, a SWAT team was deployed. Police sealed off the north half of Travis Avenue, which is a dead-end street. Police executed a search warrant at the residence around 3 p.m. and discovered the body of the man in the basement. According to investigators, the man died of a self-inflicted gunshot, which uh, continued through the first floor of the house. Police said no one else was in the residence and no officers were injured. The name of the man they were checking was not released. Sources say the man may have been missing for a few days. He reportedly worked at Buckingham Manufacturing at 11 Travis Avenue. One person familiar with the situation says someone from the company called police to check on his welfare because he had not reported for work. A man killed four members, including two children, at their Queens home in the New York City area and stabbed two police officers who then shot him to death. Police say the suspect was identified as Courtney Gordon, a 38-year-old Bronx resident who had been visiting family at their home in the far Rockaway neighborhood. The victims were a 12-year-old boy, 44-year-old woman, a male in his 30s, and an 11-year-old girl. Their identities have not been yet released. The two police officers who were stabbed in Sunday's incident are expected to recover from their injuries. 
The fatal attack came a week after another knife rampage in the Bronx that took three lives. The fate of a unique collection of IBM Endicott memorabilia remains uncertain as a village museum has extended its closure without explanation. The Endicott History and Heritage Center on Washington Avenue was suddenly shut down in late October. Signs at the museum indicated it would be closed through December 2nd, but new signage indicates it will not open until at least January. The signs in the center's website don't give a reason for the closure. It came after a secret plan to return the IBM collection to the company became public. The museum building is owned by the Old Village of Union Historical Society. Ted Warner, the organization's president, has not returned calls seeking information about the future of the Heritage Center. In a letter dated November 7, Warner wrote that he had been losing money for the past two years. He said the organization's board had been unable to obtain any financial assistance. In the letter, Warner stated the only option and only solution that offered real relief was to end the IBM loan and run out the space to a tenant. Warner's statement noted there was an outpouring of concern about the collection leaving the area. He indicated various ideas to keep the collection in the Endicott area would be considered by the board. The board of directors met on November 21st, but Warner has not revealed if IBM has been advised that local residents don't want the company to take the historical items back. New York State could soon start to get more recreational marijuana dispensaries after a judge approved legal settlements to end lawsuits that halted the state's legal cannabis licensing program. These settlements were approved Friday. They lift a court order that has blocked the state from processing or issuing retail marijuana uh, licenses since August following lawsuits against rules that allowed people with drug convictions to open the first dispensaries. State officials said the agreement will allow more than 400 potential retailers to move forward with pending applications to open storefronts. State cannabis regulators this week announced settlements in the cases, with Brian firmly approving the sale on Friday. The House voted to expel Republican Representative George Santos of New York last week following a blistering ethics report on his conduct that included converting campaign donations for his own use. He's just the sixth member in the chamber's history to be ousted by colleagues, the third since the Civil War. Friday's vote to expel him was 311 to 114. Expulsion required support from two-thirds of the House, a purposely high bar, a scathing House Ethics Committee report that found substantial evidence Santos violated federal laws proved decisive. As it became clear he would be expelled, Santos placed his overcoat over his shoulders, shook hands with conservative members who had voted against his expulsion, and then departed the House chamber. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. News Radio 1290 WNBF. 10-10 wins. I don't know what that means. It sounds like a sports contest or something. 10-10 wins. Sounds like it would be a tie. A win. Anyway, it's 10-10 on a Monday morning. And we have a winner. Caller number 10 is Roger from Endicott. Good morning. (laughs) 
I'd like to talk about fun in the city. How are you? <laughs> I am well. Good morning, Roger Neal. Uh, how was your weekend? It was good. It was good. Yeah, we were um, actually in uh, just outside of uh, Boston for a men's basketball game with Binghamton University, Stonehill College in Easton, Massachusetts. And the Bearcats men were winners beating Stonehill 79-64. So we, uh, we got back in uh, late Saturday evening and um, uh, enjoyed a day off yesterday. And then tonight, we're going to be right across the street from our studios, Bob. We'll be at the Courtside Bar and Grill. It is our Monday night Binghamton Bearcats coaches show. And we'll talk Bearcats basketball, not only to our listeners who can tune in from 6 to 7, but also to stop by and enjoy um, great specials Monday throughout the day and the evening as part of the celebration for our broadcast there. Uh, the folks at Courtside are going to have $8 burgers. And I had one of those after our show there a couple of weeks ago. They are fabulous. And I'm going to have one again after our broadcast tonight. But that's coming up tonight, Courtside Bar and Grill. And it'll be right in the uh, the heart of downtown Binghamton. So we're looking forward to it. Well, that's great. I was able to hear a bit of the game on Saturday afternoon. Uh, Don Morgan and I were preparing for the big parade on the avenue in Endicott. So yeah. we were monitoring the progress of the Bearcats. And we were <laughs> pleased with the outcome. Yes, it was a good, it was a very good game. Uh, Taimu Shinri is uh, the man who led the way. Twenty-two points in that game. He's having a great start of the season for the Bearcats. Uh, he uh, transferred over from uh, Quinnipiac, and he's been a huge part of uh, Binghamton's um, success so far. Five and four record for the men. Uh, last night, the BU women played at the University of Pittsburgh. They played the Pitt Panthers, and the Bearcats led much of the way. They were down by a point at the half. They led at the end of three quarters and then ended up falling to pit. The uh, final score, 73-62. And um, Ella Wanzer led the way with a 20-point game. Jaden Welch had 11 for the Bearcats. So a good effort, just not quite enough against a, uh, a school that's uh, obviously um, on the national scene, the Pitt Panthers down in Pittsburgh. So I'm sure they're a little tired. It's about a six-hour ride back. But they'll be talking tonight with Coach Beth Ann Shapiro-Ord about that game about what's ahead and of course uh, Lavelle Sanders will stop by representing the men. We'll have some special guests too. We'll also be talking tonight. There's something coming up with Lemoyne College up in Syracuse going to Division 1 now. They're going to build it as a battle of the interstate and the men will host Lemoyne on um, Saturday at 2 o'clock at the event center but it'll be for bragging rights of Interstate 81 so uh, we'll talk more about that tonight too and, and details on that plus We'll have a couple of special guests will be stopping by, and uh, we'll talk Bearcats basketball and Bearcats athletics overall. But it's a lot of fun. We invite, again, folks to come out, hear it in person. If you can't make it, you can hear it right here on WNBF. So uh, Bearcats basketball is in the air and on the air. Did you just write that, or was that spontaneous? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it that. almost... It was almost spontaneous, thanks. You're a genius. <laughs> well, I wouldn't quite say. I used to be on Stump the Geniuses, but I wasn't wrong. <laughs> Those were the days, my friend. And we thought that, yeah. they'd never end. Wow. And we had we had one of our um, uh, geniuses on the panel was Bernard Fiondi, who was indeed a genius. So with him there, yeah. uh, I was covered because my errant answers usually were covered by him. <laughs> he was well, amazing. That's the thing is, is Bernie was brilliant. You know, it, it was... The, the thing with, with Bernie 
first, as you know, and our listeners know, he had a, a beautiful sense of humor, and he was uh, certainly regarded as, I think, the most trusted journalist in the Binghamton area for decades because he, sure. he just had so much credibility and, and the people loved him. And, yes, he, when he had a chance to discuss serious topics, I always enjoyed his views and it was always evident of just how much he knew about almost everything. Yes. You know, yes, he was amazing. He would talk about sports. Uh, he would bring up topics like, uh, you know, Joe Lewis, heavyweight champ, and he'd say, you know, his, his trainer was X and he came from Y, and I'm going, how did you ever know that? And then he would hear a musical piece, and he'd say, oh, a brilliant composition by, some, you know, uh, by somebody, and then he'd say, you know, the drummer actually came from Elmira. I'm going, what? Where'd you know that from? So uh, it didn't matter the topic. I mean, obviously well-versed in news and all the events locally, but the range of his knowledge was, uh, was pretty incredible. Amazing. Yeah, thanks for sharing the memories, and also thanks for sure. the preview of tonight's broadcast, live and direct from downtown Binghamton. There's only one station, one station, that's able to do it, <laughs> and this is it. <laughs> Sorry, is it. channeling my, my inner rush. Just one <laughs> station, my friends, and that well, station... Well, we're very lucky because, <laughs> let, let's, let's face it, uh, this, this era... Many have just punted and would never even think of doing something live on location for an hour. But we, we continue to do that. We're very fortunate to, to have the capability of doing that. And um, it does you know, help tie us into the community with activities like this. And, and um, again, and we're fortunate that we, we continue to do it while others just kind of go home. So yeah. well, um, we were, we're very happy with it. We were pleased to be in uh, the parades last week uh, in Endicott Saturday afternoon along the avenue. And also Thursday night in Johnson City. And, uh, of course, so many people are happy to see Bill Flynn out on yes. location. The real yes. the real deal, man. Doesn't get the more when it comes to yeah. radio in Binghamton. I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Bill Flynn now has to be considered the dean of Binghamton Broadcasting, of, of active broadcasters. He's, yep. I think he, by far, has been on the air longer than than anyone else well he was he was on the air on WNBF when i came to town back in 1978 so well um, he, su he supersedes about everybody yeah. yeah well i have a tape lordy i hope there are tapes i have a tape of bill flynn on the big e and people who've been here a long time know what the big e was in endicott and he was doing a countdown of the top 100 songs of hold on a second i'm gonna find out because i want to be precise because we, do, we don't want litigation do we oh, um, no. <laughs> bob mis misstated the year so there was a song you probably heard of it it was called um guitar man oh yeah the guitar man david gates and, david gates and brad right and yes in that song so it was issued in the summer of 72 so i have a tape of bill flynn doing the top 100 songs of 1972 on the big e and number 100 was guitar man by bread wow. and so i have a tape somewhere so that goes back gee uh that that was in was, i think december 31st 1972 so i'm a kid recording on my cassette machine 
And I have a tape somewhere, one of those high-quality tapes that you could buy three for a dollar at the local convenience store. So the audio quality now, 51 years later, ought to be just about right. I think it's aged just right. So if I there can find go. that cassette, the only problem is I don't know that we have any cassette players here at the station anymore. <laughs> but uh, That is a difficult thing to yeah, find, yes. you know, If I can find that, though, I should digitize it and put that. Can you imagine... On the WNBF.com website, how many people would like to hear Bill Flynn from when he was at the Big E counting down the top 100 of 1972? I'd like to hear that myself. Yeah. And by the way, he wasn't just Bill Flynn then. He was William V. Flynn. There you go. V yeah, for victory. Sure. You, know yeah. the, you know the victory <laughs> lofts in Johnson City? Yes. Name for Bill Flynn. William I victory. thought that was the yeah. case. So there's, yeah, another... Another urban legend that I just spoke. Jerry Smith, Jerry Smith and Roger <laughs> Luther would be proud. Yes, they would be. Roger Neal, we're looking forward to tonight's broadcast starting at 6, live in downtown Binghamton. I hope you have a there great day and, and a great program. Looking forward to it, Bob. Thank you very much. I'll be listening. All right. Stay tuned because you never know. What's going to happen next on Binghamton Now? From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Reserve your new Toyota at Galt Toyota. WNBF. Well, wasn't going to even mention the name, but sometimes you gotta because this is a New York Post exclusive. They just put it up on the website in the last few minutes. Megan Kelly. Megan Kelly. And this is shocking. This is shocking. But according to this, the New York Post with the scoop. This is a bigger scoop than Pat Mitchell ever had. Megyn Kelly says, I keep hope alive Trump will appear at this week's GOP debate. The story, the flash apparently official by Shannon Thaler, posted at the New York Post website, one of the uh, premier websites on the planet. Um, they now are, are saying that... <laughs> this is just for ratings, of course. They are saying that uh, Donald Trump might be there. <laughs> you know, Lordy, I hope he shows up. So New York Post uh, did a hard-hitting interview with Megyn Kelly, who is certainly a fan favorite. This is the question that was posed 
by uh, the New York Post reporter. Do you think Trump will be a no-show? Megyn Kelly says, I keep hope alive because the Secret Service went down there and was checking out the venue, and there's only one man they would do that for. But his team is saying, no, look, he's winning so far by not showing. I'm not exactly sure why he would do anything to change his strategy. Having said all that, I know he loves Alabama. I think he knows the two of us together would get a lot of eyeballs, and he enjoys that too. Yeah. I, I admit, if I find out that Donald Trump is going to be on the debate with Megyn Kelly, I admit I'll watch. I don't think I'm watching otherwise. I don't plan to watch at this point. But, but I'll monitor Twitter. And if Twitter reports that Donald Trump is going to be at the debate with Megyn Kelly, I will watch. If I'm not doing anything more important. Continuing with this New York Post scoop, what Megyn Kelly said about uh, whether Trump will be a no-show. Quote, I understand why he's not doing it. Just look at the polls. I'm not blind. I see what he sees. However... It is not acceptable that we could wind up electing someone as president or re-electing someone as president who's never sat for debate. And she said, at this rate, if Trump gets it, as far as getting the GOP nomination, I have very little belief that Joe Biden will debate, debate him. I don't think Joe Biden, this is, by the way, not me saying this, this is Megyn Kelly. She says, I don't think Joe Biden is capable of debating him. I think Joe Biden will say I'm not debating an insurrectionist or I'm not debating someone who's an accused or perhaps by that point a convicted felon. So, you know, you know, don't you hate it when people on the radio or TV say you know? Bottom line is Trump and Biden, either of them in a debate, does that mean it's going to be a good debate. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I, I personally think Mr. Trump and Mr. Biden ought to debate at every opportunity. But I also understand why their handlers would prefer that neither of them do a debate. I mean, that we see how that works even here in, in local politics when a lot of people who are running for an office, or at least their handlers, don't think there's anything to gain by a debate, and that's why they duck debates. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's legal. There's no requirement if you're seeking a government job that you be uh, interviewed live on the radio or TV to explain why you want the job, but you would think that if it meant enough to you to be a candidate, you would think that you'd want to sell yourself. You know, most people, when they seek a job, they understand there's going to be, at a minimum, one job interview. For virtually every job, you have to go through at least one interview and sometimes even more. So why wouldn't it be, whether you're running for president or any other public office, if someone from the media wants to offer you an opportunity to explain who you are and what you're about to potential voters, why wouldn't you debate? Except when you or your handlers decide 
then there's really not much to be gained. But that's still not a good excuse. I mean, I, I get it. You know, well, if I debate, you know, what if I say something foolish? Well, then you say something foolish. It could happen. It could happen. In a live setting, anyone is capable of potentially saying something that doesn't come out correctly or misstating a fact. Hey, we're all human. Some might even argue, although maybe not successfully, but some might say, hey, even, even if you misstate something during a debate, it's not the end of the world. If something, for whatever reason, you misstate a fact or whatever during a live debate, and then the next day you or your handlers put out a statement saying um, the candidate misstated something. The, the fact is he or she knew um, the basic premise, but either misspoke or whatever, make up some sort of excuse. It's not going to, unless your campaign is wobbly to begin with. I mean, if your campaign is so unstable that something you say or do at a debate could end your chances at, at winning an election, then maybe you ought not be running. But I would think most people, regardless of party affiliation or even regardless of the office they're seeking, I would think most people would look forward to stating a case, to making a case why they are the better choice. So in 2024, if it turns out that Donald Trump and Joe Biden are the Republican and Democratic nominees, they better debate each other and they better do it at least twice. I know both of them, or at least their handlers, both of them will probably encourage their guy not to debate. But that would be wrong. As far as the debate later this week with Megyn Kelly and I can't remember who else. I wish it was, um, who is that? Keith Olbermann. Keith Olbermann and Megyn Kelly. That would be a good, that would be a good debate. Two good moderators. And people would say, well, we already know Keith Olbermann has an attitude problem. Yeah. Yeah, he apparently does. How many times has he been fired in his illustrious career? But, hey, at least we know where he's coming from. Same with Megyn Kelly. So, you don't have to have moderators who support the cause have... I have a couple of moderators. Make it interesting. Make it compelling. You don't just bring on a bunch of people. Oh, well, these people won't ask any really tough questions. No, you want people in a debate. Regardless of candidates, you want some people who will ask a few tough questions. That's the whole point. It's 1032. Bob Joseph with you on a Monday morning, 607-772-1290. You're listening to WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com.
1035 with Bob Joseph live, 607-772-1290. If you'd like to talk on our program, here's the forecast. Mostly cloudy today, showers developing late this morning, high 43. Cloudy tonight, chance of rain and snow showers, low 31. Mostly cloudy tomorrow, high 37. And cloudy Wednesday with some snow and rain showers, high 35. Right now, downtown Binghamton, it's 44 at 7 Celsius. Air quality, fantastic. <laughs> it's clean air. Clean air Monday. The air quality index now reported to be 22 in Binghamton. So it's hard to get much, much fresher air than that. Let's see, hopscotching around the wacky world of everything. Um, always hard to know where to start. Let's start in upstate. Upstate America. Ooh. Well, isn't this a surprise and not, <laughs> not a good surprise? Yipes. A... Big wedding venue has suddenly closed, canceling all events for 2024. So if you were planning your big wedding next year, you better go to plan B. Yes, plan B. Because, and this is not going to make many people happy, according to Syracuse.com, a wedding venue in central New York is suddenly closing, and all 2024 events have been canceled. So if you had an event planned for next year, you better... I don't know. You better do something. The place is in the town of Casanova, Awera Vineyards has hosted weddings and other events for a decade, this is a story by John Moss at Syracuse.com. And for those of you who have had the pleasure of organizing a wedding, you know that these places usually book things a year or more ahead of time. So the sudden closing is going to leave some people, some brides and grooms, scrambling to find some sort of place for their wedding. I say the Parlor City Circle. Can you imagine getting permission from the city to have your wedding at the Parlor City Circle downtown? That'd be a great venue. And I bet you could do it, too, if you planned far enough in advance. You'd have to get approval from the mayor's office and the traffic board and city council, but I bet it could be done. I'm not saying they would like doing it. At first, they'd say, no way. You want the circle on Court Street at Shenango and Exchange. You want that circle to be closed for part of a Saturday so you could have your wedding? And they'd be like, grow your own food, man. <laughs> um, but anyway... This uh, outfit called Owera Vineyards has suddenly closed. The uh, co-owner 
sent an email to Syracuse.com confirming the closure. He said the business is committed to finding replacement venues for people affected by the cancellations, but he wouldn't answer other questions about the closure. The farming, wine production, and distribution operations will continue. All right, well, sorry to break it to you. I hope you didn't have something planned at Aware Vineyards in Casanova next year because... Uh, apparently, that isn't going to happen. So hopefully, as they say, hopefully you have plan B. You better, or plan C. It's 1040 at WNBF. Good morning, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Oh, let's try this. Hi, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Beverly from the town of Dickerson. Good morning. Good morning. So what's on your mind? Oh, I was reading the newspaper yesterday about the nursing home, about the nursing homes in different states. And um, I don't understand how they can, they can, um, they have to, uh, they have to put so much money down in order to get into a nursing home. I was reading that yesterday, and uh, you know, I mean, these these nursing homes are out to make a profit, Bob. They they are, and uh, we we older people we work all our lives, and and when and when we retire, things happen. Well, all I can say, I'm looking at that story now because it was on the front page of the present Sun Bulletin on Sunday. So I'm looking through the story, and um, yeah, it doesn't doesn't seem very nice what they're doing to me. It doesn't. I mean, based on this news story, now just I I scan the news story, and it doesn't doesn't seem like it's really that nice. No, it's not. You know, and. Uh I'll tell you one thing, Bob. I've been in I was in nursing for thirty years. I when a person goes to a nursing home, oh boy, you got everybody in uh in uh from the the from the from, from the president or whatever you wanna call him, all the way down. And the first week, everybody's there to greet you. If you need anything, just call us. Just call us. We'll be right there and everything. After a week or two, forget it. You're on your own. Well, no surprise. I mean, that's the way every business is. When you're new to a business, they treat you like royalty. And then... After you've been with them and you've spent hundreds or thousands of dollars, they treat you like, like that. I mean, that's that's the mo- that's the business model of every business. Look at cable TV. Look at the uh, newspaper. You know, when you first sign up, it's like, ooh, we love you, we love you. Now, like say the cable company, all they want every month they want hundreds of dollars. The newspaper company every year 
They want over a thousand. Well, it's not over a thousand dollars. There I go, exaggerating. They want several hundred dollars to deliver their newspaper, which is thinner than ever. And you know, they they treat people who are new customers. They treat them differently than uh, people who have been supporting them for for decades. I've been supporting the cable company and the newspaper for, we'll just say, many years, and they don't care anymore. They just don't care. And uh, uh, I think uh, on the cable bill, well, they're coming up with their, with different kind of services. Oh, I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. That's the one thing about the cable company that they're always doing, coming coming up with all kinds of services. All I want them to do is hire back the reporters they fired. They used to, remember when they had, when they first started up their news operation, how many reporters they had? They had lots of reporters, and they had oh, lots yeah. of news from from Binghamton and, and Endicott and Vestal and Johnson City, even Owego. Now, they've cut back. They've cut back, but I still pay them hundreds of dollars a month. Oh, yeah, I know that. Well, why, you know, why can't they hire... But, Beverly, why can't they just hire back the reporters they fired and beef up their news service? They, when they started, they had something called News 10 Now. They even they sent a guy out, out to uh, Owego to test out one of those military vehicles, and he, he even flipped it. He was the only guy in America who was able to flip a military vehicle on, uh, on camera. It had never been done before, and I don't think it's been done since. But now... Because of cutbacks, that'll never happen again. No. It's so sad anymore, Bob. Like I said before, you work all your life, and uh, when you retire, it's supposed to be your golden days. Well, it might be a golden days for a few years, and then after that, you know, you know, your things change, you know. You know, and, and it makes it hard for us, Pete. For I know. Oh, I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. And if elected, <laughs> if elected, I will do everything in my power to change that. Well, I wish somebody was. And Trump, Trump will never spend a day in prison or jail. Well, that's good I because I don't. But I don't want him to spend a day in jail or in prison because I don't want my hard-earned tax money going to pay for a guy who already has a place to live. Don't put right. him. Don't put him behind bars unless unless you're going to bill him. The only way. And and here's here's a secret. If they put him in prison and then they say, send him a bill, even though he still has a lot of money, I bet he wouldn't even pay his bill. I don't think so either. Matter of fact, I wouldn't blame him. Well, I wouldn't blame him either because it is kind of mean to send a bill to people in, incarcerated. But still, you know, my, my thought is when it comes to Donald Trump, all I want him to do is enjoy life. That's all I want. Yeah, that, that's the way I figure. Yep. Enjoy I life. Figure, Spend the rest of your life at Mar-a-Lago or one of your other fine uh, <laughs> resorts. Enjoy life. Have fun. Eat a Big Mac every day if that's what you want. Or, for that matter, have a Speedy. And, uh, oh, Speedies are good. Ooh. Yeah, they got them up the char pit up, here, up the road here. They're pretty good, too. Yeah, but you know what they don't have? What? A lamb Speedy. I went there. I went there 
and I specifically asked him, and I asked him like this, do you have lamb speedies? And the woman behind the counter said no. What do you think of that? You can't get a lamb speedy in the speedy capital of the world. Yeah, they're good. They're, well, they're good, they but nobody really will sell them to you. You know, I got no. money. I got cash. I'll pay you if you find me a place that'll make a lamb speedy for me for lunch. I'll pay that person $20 for a lamb speedy sub this afternoon. But you know what? Nobody's going to call because nobody will make it. Yeah, there's a new restaurant open down there by Bobstrop. That's a, that's going to be a big place, isn't it? Yeah, but it's uh, we did a story. It's the um, Nashville Hot Chicken. We did a story. We we broke the story. I talked to the guy who's who's uh, one of the guys who's going to run it. We'll have more. He's uh, he's very proud. He's he's very proud of his uh, restaurant. It's going to open soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my fam, my family, and I are going to try that. But but where are we going to park? Um, yeah. uh, that's the same thing. I know. Well, you have to park around the corner on uh, on Water Street near Boscos. And and yeah, then walk and then go about half a block. You could probably, you should be able to find a space right near Boscos. Yeah, we, like I said, uh, I went down a, on Good Friday and we went around the block about five times. And I said, oh, the heck with this. Let's go to Aldi's. <laughs> so the next day, the next day, we found the parking space. Yep. And like I said before, there was eight people four in each car that got out and they parked in a spot where where the elderly could have parked, you know. There was no signs or no kiosks or nothing. Mm. And they walked across the street to the bar. Of course they did. I thought, I thought here it is. 11 o'clock in the morning and all, all of a sudden they're celebrating or whatever. Hey, you know, must... They must lead a charmed life if they're if they're out going to a bar at 11 a.m. Appreciate your call. Hope you have a great okay, day. Okay, hey, you too. Stand 50 at WNBF. Bob Joseph on your side, 607-772-1290. Call in. Speak live. WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and always available on the WNBF app. WNBF at 10.54. This is Bob Joseph, or as somebody once told me, six minutes before the hour. <laughs> All these buckets of rain, I've heard enough about it. You say that I lie, I am a gentleman. Didn't I ask for a place I could stay? What were we both thinking the next? But I just got in the way. You were just always talking about changing, changing. 
An interesting story has just been posted by uh, our good friend Scott Sassina, who is now at Binghamton University. Scott Sassina. Remember him on TV for more than a decade. Anyway, uh, Scott has written a story. Very intriguing events. <laughs> As I just, I, I thought it was uh, an interesting article about something going on with some of the Binghamton University pharmacy school students and faculty and staff. I'll just say, you need to check it out for yourself. I tweeted about the story. It's what a mess, what a mess. A fine report by Scott Sassina about an intriguing Binghamton University event over at the pharmacy school in Johnson City. So it's one of those stories. I wish I had covered it because people, it's, it's a fun story. It's a fun story. I know people are saying, well, tell us more, Bob. Tell us more. Well... I would, but then that defeats the whole purpose. If I tell you more, then you won't go and actually read the story. So you can read about it over at the Binghamton University website, or uh, if you want it easy, if it's too difficult for you to find the story, I just take a look on my Twitter feed, the Binghamton Now Twitter feed. If you're following at Binghamton Now on Twitter, you can see what I just tweeted about it because it's, um, it's a lovely little story. And... It's it's a feature story. Don't don't worry. It's it's nothing bad. It's actually good, uh, an intriguing story, and written by Scott Sassina, who I still miss on on the TV news. I mean, I I know he's as he uh, told us when he was here in the studio a couple months ago. He's making the adjustment, but eh. Eh. Maybe someday we'll see him back. Back on TV. Or, who knows, maybe someday he'll host a Binghamton radio talk show. I think it would be interesting. Sometimes I think about people who would be good hosts for this program. So you never know. <laughs> I'm Bob Joseph. I am the host in charge at this time. Another big hour is coming up. Binghamton Now, live on WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221EJ Binghamton, a town square media station. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Today, mostly cloudy chance of showers, high near 43. Slight chance of rain and snow showers tonight with a low around 31. Mostly cloudy Tuesday with a high near 37. A Binghamton man apparently killed himself after city police were sent to his home to check on his welfare last week. Authorities said the man's body was found in the basement of the house at 39 Travis Avenue on the east side. According to police, an officer was sent to the residence at 9.20 a.m. Friday. Police were unable to contact the man at the house or by phone. After officers entered the home, a gunshot was fired from the basement. It passed through the basement ceiling into the first floor. After the gunshot was fired, a SWAT team was deployed. 
Police sealed off the north half of Travis Avenue, which is a dead-end street. Police executed a search warrant at the residence around 3 p.m. and discovered the body of the man in the basement. According to investigators, the man died of a self-inflicted gunshot, which uh, continued through the first floor of the house. Police said no one else was in the residence and no officers were injured. The name of the man they were checking was not released. Sources say the man may have been missing for a few days. He reportedly worked at Buckingham Manufacturing at 11 Travis Avenue. One person familiar with the situation says someone from the company called police to check on his welfare because he had not reported for work. A man killed four members, including two children, at their Queens home in the New York City area and stabbed two police officers who then shot him to death. Police say the suspect was identified as Courtney Gordon, a 38-year-old Bronx resident who had been visiting family at their home in the far Rockaway neighborhood. The victims were a 12-year-old boy, 44-year-old woman, a male in his 30s, and an 11-year-old girl. Their identities have not been yet released. The two police officers who were stabbed in Sunday's incident are expected to recover from their injuries. The fatal attack came a week after another knife rampage in the Bronx that took three lives. The fate of a unique collection of IBM Endicott memorabilia remains uncertain as a village museum has extended its closure without explanation. The Endicott History and Heritage Center on Washington Avenue was suddenly shut down in late October. Signs at the museum indicated it would be closed through December 2nd, but new signage indicates it will not open until at least January. The signs in the center's website don't give a reason for the closure. It came after a secret plan to return the IBM collection to the company became public. The museum building is owned by the Old Village of Union Historical Society. Ted Warner, the organization's president, has not returned calls seeking information about the future of the Heritage Center. In a letter dated November 7, Warner wrote that he had been losing money for the past two years. He said the organization's board had been unable to obtain any financial assistance. In the letter, Warner stated the only option and only solution that offered real relief was to end the IBM loan and run out the space to a tenant. Warner's statement noted there was an outpouring of concern about the collection leaving the area. He indicated various ideas to keep the collection in the Endicott area would be considered by the board. The board of directors met on November 21st, but Warner has not revealed if IBM has been advised that local residents don't want the company to take the historical items back. New York State could soon start to get more recreational marijuana dispensaries after a judge approved legal settlements to end lawsuits that halted the state's legal cannabis licensing program. These settlements were approved Friday. They lift a court order that has blocked the state from processing or issuing retail marijuana licenses since August following lawsuits against rules that allowed people with drug convictions to open the first dispensaries. State officials said the agreement will allow more than 400 potential retailers to move forward with pending applications to open storefronts. State cannabis regulators this week announced settlements in the cases, with Brian firmly approving the sale on Friday. The House voted to expel Republican Representative George Santos of New York last week following a blistering ethics report on his conduct that included converting campaign donations for his own use. 
He's just the sixth member in the chamber's history to be ousted by colleagues, the third since the Civil War. Friday's vote to expel him was 311 to 114. Expulsion required support from two-thirds of the House, a purposely high bar. A scathing House Ethics Committee report that found substantial evidence Santos violated federal laws proved decisive. As it became clear he would be expelled, Santos placed his overcoat over his shoulders, shook hands with conservative members who had voted against his expulsion, and then departed the House chamber. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF. From the Golf Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Shop Toyota, Chevy, BMW, and pre owned at GaltAuto.com. Happened to me. Summer vacation would be out of reach. I heard about life insurance for you and how easy it was to get. I'm Bob Joseph. It's Binghamton now. 607-772-1290. Call in if you'd like to talk on our Monday morning program at News Radio WNBF. Never go wrong with the classics. Oh my gosh. They don't write them like that anymore. Am I right, people? Ah! A candidate has just dropped out of the Republican presidential primary battle. The Flash, apparently official. <laughs> And I know, everybody, just sit down. If you're uh, operating heavy machinery or driving a vehicle, you might want to pull over because uh, this is going to come as a big surprise to most listeners. Again, this is news just breaking now from the ABC News Division. A Republican presidential candidate is dropping out this According to ABC News, Doug Burgum is dropping out. Again, Doug Burgum. I know you're saying, who? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Doug Burgum is out, according to ABC News. So if you were hoping to be able to vote for Doug Burgum, Next year, um, if you thought he was the better better alternative, 
between, um, well, I mean, say if the Democratic candidate is Joe Biden or AOC, and you're going to choose Doug Burgum, um, unfortunately, that no longer will be an option. According to ABC News, Doug Burgum, who is the North Dakota governor, um, actually, I think I heard an interview with Doug Burgum last week. I, I tuned in to one of those interview programs, and I didn't know who the guest was because I, I didn't hear the beginning and I also didn't hear the end. But I think it was Doug Burgum, because if I'm not mistaken, he was talking about how great North Dakota is compared to every other state, so it was probably him. During his campaign, according to ABC News, he emphasized three key issues, the economy, energy, and national security. Those are great issues. They should have been winning issues, but it didn't work for Doug Burgum. He failed to gain traction with Republican voters. And he did not qualify for the most recent primary debate. So the uh, there's the Doug Burgum shocker. And for most of us, I'll be honest, most of us probably weren't even aware he was. Uh, Republican presidential hopeful. Let me look up the Doug Burgum file here on the internet. See, it's difficult to talk about someone that you essentially know nothing about. So I can't tell you. I mean, Douglas Burgum, in fact, may be one of America's best governors. For all we know, conceivably, Doug Burgum could be a better governor than Andy Andrew Cuomo, for all we know. I just don't know that much about it. He is among the wealthiest governors in the United States. Oh, he's a billionaire. He's worth $1.1 billion, according to Wikipedia. As we already reported in our newsflash, he is a member of the Republican Party and a candidate for the 2024 U.S. presidential election. So obviously Wikipedia has yet to be updated with the stunning news that he's bowing out. He was born in a small town called Arthur, North Dakota. Let's see what else. How did he become a billionaire? I'm always fascinated to see how people who ultimately are billionaires, how they, how they got to that level. He had a company, a software company in Fargo, of, of all places. So he invested in a software company in Fargo in the 80s. The company got so big that Doug Burgum sold it to Microsoft for $1.1 billion. So that's pretty, that's pretty good. Um... What else can I see? See if there's any Binghamton connection. Oh, yes. Th that way we could localize the story. <laughs> if, we, if we find any evidence that in his life, he's 67 years old, if we find any evidence that Doug Burgum ever drove through Broome County, say he got lost on I-81 or, or on Route 17, then we could localize the story. Guy... Presidential candidate who once drove through Broome County drops out. Hmm. Oh, he 
When he was in college, he started a chimney sweeping business. <laughs> so the newspaper ran a photo of me sitting on top of an icy chimney in below freezing weather in Fargo. The story made the AP. Huh. A chimney sweep in North Dakota. Well, anyway, Doug Burgum, we hardly knew ye. Hi, WNBF, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Uh, Gary from the south side. Morning. Morning. Hey, listen, uh, I've lived here my entire life, and I'm in, the 70, in my 70s. Downtown was a playground for me when I was all younger. But anyhow, I, wanna, I wrote a list of the stores that were down there when I was down there in the 60s. And here they are. Burn Furniture, Citizens Department Store, Fowler, Dick & Walker, Busy Bee, Noah's Ark, Western Auto, Mohican, A&P, Tom McCann's, EJ Shoes, Hamlin's, J.C. Penney's, Babcock Kinds and Underwood, uh, Sweet Shoe Repair, S.S. Kresge, W.W. Woolworths, Sears and Roebuck's, Spalding Bakery, YMC on Washington Street was a great place to play. Harris Army and Navy, Bingham Hotel, Ellis Gifts, I think they're still there, Weeks and Dickinson's, Argo Restaurant, Broom Travel, Home Dairy, Deech Pontiac Cadillac, Parsons Ford, Arlington Hotel, Carlton Hotel, Family Bargain Center, Barbara Moss, David's, Collier's Paint, Binghamton Press, Sun Bulletin, Larkin's Music, Public Loan, Goodyear Tire. I think they're all gone, except for one. Right. So, uh, but now they're all, all, I go down there now, um, it's all, it's all booze. Yeah, but now, one, one it, business that you conveniently omitted from your list, you didn't mention WNBF. Uh, WNBF was, uh, where, KOP was above uh, Weeks and Dickinson's. Where was WNBF? Well, so what years are you talking about? Up to what year? 1963 to 19... I, like I said, I've been here my entire life. Yeah, so, so what, what, was, what would uh, the cutoff date be for your list? Uh, probably when they did urban renewal and tore down all the buildings. So WNBF moved to downtown, I believe, in 1972. We were... Okay. Well, we were uh, at 50 Front Street which was then the Sheridan Inn, because right. back then, WNBF AM, the station, WNBF FM, which is now the Hawk, the country station, and Channel 12 TV, which was WNBF TV, up until 1972, we were all owned by the same company. And then... Well, w, w, uh, was it B&G TV? It was, it was down in the basement of Sheraton Hotel. They used to have dances yes, down there. They did. Okay. Yeah. In fact, they, they, they um, I never went to the dances because my mom wouldn't let me. But, um, so yes, I mean, when Channel 12 moved there, it was called WNBF TV. And right. it was the first, uh, the TV and radio stations, I believe, were the first ones to occupy the Sheraton Inn when it was built in 1959. I believe that's the case. Because before that, I think the stations were located in the Arlington Hotel. And then 
they moved from downtown over to 50 Front Street for quite a few years. As I said, uh, they kicked us out. They kicked out the radio stations because they hated radio. That's back in the era when it was fashionable for people to hate radio, but they loved TV. So the TV station could stay there. And then uh, the AM and FM stations got kicked out and we had to go. Uh, WNBF, AM, and FM, we had to go to Center Plaza on Henry Street over at Henry and Shenango. Yeah, so you were kicked out. But hate radio still exists. Don't don't kid yourself. I hear a lot of hate on your radio after your program. But, but, you, don't hear, wanted, but you don't hear it on this program. Too much. Well, not too much. But uh, yeah. I, wanted, I also, um, I'm also the guy they parked in the Metro Center there and had to pay $10 to get out for 20 minutes. Uh, was that guy saying that the reason they charged me ten dollars is because I went to Boscoff's. No, I think the point he was making: the parking lot is specifically for the Metro Center. So it's, I mean, well, again, it's it's a public lot. So here, the main purpose, as I understand it, and I, I, I think I've discussed it with the um, Metro Center is now owned by Marchuska, Marchuska Development, and they've they've put a lot of money in it since they bought the Metro Center. But that parking lot initially wasn't open to the public at all. It was only for Metro Center uh, well, tenants. I- now it's open to the public. What what uh, he said is initially when they did open it to the public, his recollection was it cost $20. If you, <laughs> well, I think he's right though. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me, let me suggest this, okay? During, um, um, the Libis administration. Okay. Now I'm in my seventies now and I, I, I know a lot about the city. I know a whole lot, but the Metro center, all those buildings were tore down and we were supposed to, my dad was supposed to come in and replace all them with, with store rent stores and so on and so forth. Now that was tore down by the IDA, I guess was in charge of that. Now, when, when the Metro center first opened, opened up or they started going during the crab administration, when, and it was a crab administration that brought in Boscoff. So I was a guest member on the Big with the Local Development Corporation and rode the bus with Albert Boscoff down to down to Scranton there and he gave us shrimp as big as my fist, uh, to get all the, you know, the freebies from from Binghamton uh to put the store in there. I think they were uh, called and, inducements. And the, and so yes, well, the he, he I mean, handed out he handed out uh, you know, Boscoff's credit card applications right on the bus, so Oh yeah. He, well, he, he knew he was coming, but well, Albert uh, Boscoff, uh, you know, I, I uh, probably over the years talked with him maybe half a dozen times, maybe ten times. He was on this program, um, I think, on the thirtieth anniversary of Boscoff's. We had him on the program. So as as you will recall, and our listeners, many of our listeners will remember, the big day was August 13th, 1984. That's when thousands of people showed up outside the Boscov store at Court and Water for the grand opening. So, yes, the that persi- well, the persistent effort by Juanita Crab to get Boscov's to locate in the empty Fowler's building, that, that paid off. Well, it's it didn't pay. We just spent another ten million dollars there, so I don't know uh, how much uh, how much or it's just paying off. But well, I know. You know I mean, it's the, not a secret. I didn't, I've never said I've never said that Boscos would locate here if they didn't have 
all sorts of breaks. I mean, as far as the tax breaks well, and and the water and everything else, and well, even we, even the breaks on newspaper advertising. Remember, Boscov's got a lot of people here in the Binghamton area to work together, including the newspaper. The, one of the key components, it wasn't covered much, but you'll recall the guy who was the publisher of the newspaper at the time, Dave Mack, also made those junk or trips down to uh, Reading because it was all part of a consider, concerted effort to get Boscovs here. And so Boscovs wound up with a, a very very good advertising deal with the newspaper because the newspaper was was going to be happy and even to this day four decades later every sunday you see a boscov's insert in the newspaper so you know a lot of people were all part of the effort to get boscov's here if well, that, the, if the, that all didn't happen well, boscov's would never have come and we'd have an empty building okay now that's 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 pure conjecture, you know. That's you're not saying that nobody else would have moved in that building there. So, um, as far as the newspaper, uh, the new newspaper failed. They moved out of Binghamton too. They left the press I building. I know. And, I know. And, you, and, we, and, they, and then we, we built a nice place over there, and then they left us again. I but know. And now they don't even have of, anything, as far as I right. know. They have they have nothing. They up at thirty three Lewis Road. I went up there earlier this year. And the place was empty. And then a few weeks later, somebody called me and said, yeah, they're moving all their junk out. I mean, they, they closed the place down basically, I believe, well, I, in, in March of 2020 when the pandemic started. And I don't think they ever came back. Well, you know, this uh, the IDA and what do they call it? Number the, up there in front of the, the, um, the college. Uh, they're giving all their money out. You know, you, you know, here's another thing that bothers me, okay? You know, when Nick Crab brought in the stadium, okay, that happened under the Crab administration. Now, we I, I can remember Gordon Wack and all the city council members were all arguing over it. We're going to give them free water and free sewer and, and free this and free that. Now, and then you, you, I wanted, you mentioned about the weed store down there. They're paying taxes. Now, the, the stadium doesn't pay a dime of taxes. We own the stadium. That's what belongs to the taxpayers of the city of Binghamton. They pay nothing in taxes. We just gave them $10 million. And then it was $2.75 million before, and you can get it on their website. They spent hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in locker rooms and this and that. And now we're giving them another $10 million. We can buy a new fire truck for that. And, and then we're borrowing the money. Why are we subsidizing the stadium? I mean, I don't, I don't even get a free hot dog out of the deal. I mean, Nor we can do use I. fire trucks. But, but we, here's we, the we thing. We can use but, so much for $10 million. But Gary. Okay, and we borrowed the money. Right, but Gary, all that could change starting in less than a month because you know who is going to control city council, so the party might be over starting in four weeks. Well, you know, and, and maybe that's a good thing because uh, being on the big local development corporation, I learned a whole lot, okay? And the thing that really bugs me about the council is that They'll introduce legislation. Okay, I'm going to introduce, introduce legislation to the mayor to uh, secure a contract to change all the lights in the city to, to, um, to lights. Now, there's no checks and balances. There was no – it wasn't put out for bid. He went up there and made a great deal with Johnson, uh, Johnson um, up there in uh, Syracuse, okay, to replace all the lights. And I think we paid something like 
I don't know, $500 a light. I don't, I can't even tell what we paid for these lights here in Binghamton that are out all the time, which, which, uh, they were worse than the lights we had before. And where's the savings from all those LED lights? You know, there's no accountability. When, when, when the city council introduces legislation to give the mayor exclusive rights to enter a contract without competitive bidding, okay, and they just okay it. And that's, that's what's wrong with this city. Didn't anybody court? They had a unanimous decision on the $10 million for, uh, for the, the stadium. Now, we don't get a dime from the stadium, nothing. They don't get, because we own the property. Now, who, who benefits from this? Not us, because we had to go out and borrow the money. Now, $10 million could have bought us a lot of blacktop. Maybe we can buy another paving machine that the last mayor sold on us. You know, well, why would you sell paving equipment that the city owned? Well, only to give contracts to your buddies? You know, this, this city is, is, is all wrong. It's run wrong. But again, it's all changing. It, it'll change on January 1st. A new regime takes control of city council and everything that's happened over whatever it's been the last 12 years or 10 years, everything changes January 1st. Well, you know, things don't change in Binghamton. Well, potentially. No, things may never change. I'm saying, what do you want? Gary, the Democrats, for however they managed it, and I know people are still assessing what happened in the election in early November, but the Democrats have managed to get a supermajority on city council. So now is an opportunity, if the Democrats care, to actually become more engaged and work with Mayor Cram to, to make the city better. That's how the city could be better. It could be a win-win actually for the mayor, a Republican, and actually for Democrats on city council if they learn how to work together and, and make changes that are constructive and helpful to the great city of Binghamton. And, and what would those be? No. I don't know. Why don't you, instead of, I was going to use a bad word, but it's Monday. I'll wait till Friday to use the word. Instead of complaining about everything, why don't you use this opportunity? Again, Democrats take charge of city council in less than a month. Give three realistic recommendations. Notice how I worded that. Give three realistic recommendations or, or suggestions to the new city council starting in January. What would they be? Okay, number one, answer your phone, okay? When somebody calls a council person and they and you go to an answer machine, they're not answering. The, we have called the council, council uh, our council person on this street. The reason the Democrats are in office is because the Republicans have failed. They have failed the city. But the, if, when you call the council person, you expect somebody to pick up a phone. We have called our council person a dozen times. We have a crack house across the street. It's been there for eight years. The police have been here. And every, everything in the world. And we had no help for the last eight years. And that's why the Republicans are not in office, because they don't answer their phone. Number two, they, would also, they also should, when they, when they give authority to the mayor to enter a contract, they should review them, and those contracts that the city enters with private companies should be out for competitive bid. Right? Right. Are you there? Yes, I'm okay, listening. So, no, I'm listening okay, intently. And, and, I hope I hope the city council members are listening. 
Well, yeah, I, you know, they've got to be a little more responsible to the people than they are. That's why the Republicans are out. Now, this city, if you look at the history of the city, there's been oh, oh, two Democratic mayors. Okay, so Burns was it Burns and uh, Crab and the, our last one there. Now, it's only three mayors, Democratic mayors, since that I can remember in my lifetime. This place has been the Senate, the the every every form of government, branch of government within the city or the county of Binghamton, okay, has been Republican. So when I look at this place, I blame it on the Republicans. It's like, well, oh, when I look at this, pl- no, wait, but, wor- but hold uh, hold your horse. When I look at this place, it's a dump. No, it is. It's a dump. It's, it's no. It's, you know, I have I have relatives that come from Ohio. Okay, and I've been out. I've been out in Ohio, uh, out in Finley, Ohio, where they live. It's run by Republicans. Marathon Oil is there. The place is absolutely spotless and clean. I go, well, hi, hey, hey, How come? How come this place is so clean? How come it's so nice? What's going on here? They say, well, we, we first of all, we got, you know, government that's responsible, and Marathon Oil won't won't allow the place to be, to be a dump. But then they come into Binghamton and they go, wow, what the heck's wrong with this place? There's litter everywhere. The lights are out. Um, you come over to Tompkins Street Bridge and the, um, at the, the scrap company, Weissman there, they had a pile of scrap there that was probably 50 feet high at one time before, you know, they let it all go to China, waiting for the price to go up. Nobody really cares about this place. It just seems like the Republicans are in it for the business. They want to get a control of the city, city, uh, budget so they could funnel that money to their buddies. I don't well, of course. What's the point? What here? is the Nothing. point of getting elected if you can't funnel money to your friends and campaign supporters? What is the well, point? I know, well, the, and the Republicans are good at it. And so are they, Democrats. Really good, really Demo- you know, you make it sound like like one party has cornered has cornered the market on providing favors and contracts to their friends. I submit to you. At all levels of government, local government, state government, and federal government, that's the whole point of people going into elective office. Not everybody, but a lot of people. And and how do you think? The system is only influenced by money and lots of money. The people with the most money are the ones who usually win. So, of course, where does the money come from? It doesn't come from people like you and me. It comes from people who are potentially billionaires or millionaires, and that they want their businesses to be treated well by the people who get elected. Okay, when, when, Cuomo, was, when Cuomo was the governor of this state, um, we, we, we got the right-wing radio going right about that time, and that's when the uh, Rush Limbaugh and all that community, they labeled him tax and spend. And then, so he, he lost the election and Pataki took office. When when Cuomo was left office, our budget in the state of New York was sixty three billion dollars. And over two terms of Pataki, eight eight years later, our budget for the state of New York was a hundred and eighteen billion. Now he almost doubled in eight years, doubled the state budget. Right. Yeah, right. He, he was governor he was governor there for go. twelve he, he don't Texas spend Republicans. Tax and spend all Republicans. elected officials all. No, no Republicans. Republicans. Now I no the, whole, the the one year that I think his first year, Pataki was not tax and spend. The next eleven years he was tax and spend, and that's because that's what New Yorkers want. They want, they want their elected officials to dump 
a lot of money in their districts every two years. That's the whole point. That's how Albany operates with these grants, whether they're relatively small community grants or larger scale grants, like say $5 million for Boscos. People want that. We want our communities to survive. And let's face it, I don't think Boscos would ever have agreed to a 10-year lease extension unless it received $5 million from Albany, plus the other money from the city and the county, because that's how business is done. Okay, listen, you don't have to, you don't, you don't have to, you know, tell me, but let, let me give you another example, okay? Just agree with me. Just agree with me for once that that's how business is done. No, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, uh, settle for that, but. Well, don't, what do you mean? You're not going to settle for it. You make it sound like it's new. It's it's an accurate description of how business generally is done in New York State and most other states. You don't have to like it, but you ought to at least acknowledge it. Okay, I, okay, it's it's a fact. But anyhow, let me give you another example. I used I, I in in my teenage years, I had a job with OFB. Worked up at the Broome County Airport, and for a summer job. Now, the the, the the lobby had chairs in it. It was, a, it was a nice airport, and everything worked smoothly, okay? Then they put $13.5 million into that airport lobby. There's, there's, I was up there two weeks ago. There's no place to sit. And now they're going to spend another, what, $10 million? Into, you know, it ain't, it ain't going to make the airplanes land any, any, any faster. Or you're not going to get – it's a sinkhole. And they just keep on giving money to. So I call Bigums in the home of the botch and the bungles. They put thirteen million dollars in that lobby about twenty years ago, whatever. And now they're putting another ten million dollars in the. I mean, what for? Why were you doing that? See, we just love to pass out money, and and the status quo, you know, gets it in their pocket. I mean, why are we giving ten million dollars to the stadium for drainage? That's what. That's how business is done, and. Guaranteed, that's not the end of it. If if people want baseball in Binghamton, they're going to have to keep paying for it. And and when I say when I say people, I mean the people in charge. I'm not talking about forty four thousand Binghamton residents. I'm talking about the people in charge. Again, I I stress to you that everything potentially could change on January first when a new city council takes over and. Yes, the, the members of city council, all seven members, the first thing they ought to learn to do as members of Binghamton City Council is answer their darn phones. I agree with you. You know, the, have, have I ever called a city council listed phone number? I'm not talking about their cell phone numbers because most people don't have access to their cell phone numbers. But have I ever called in, in the last decade uh, a listed city hall or a city council person's phone number and had them answer? I don't think so. And I don't think they're going to start now. The, the new members of city council, you could call them on January 2nd at their publicly listed phone numbers. I bet none of the seven will answer them. Well, you know, that's, 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 how, that's how good government works here. And, and you seem to be okay with it. No. What do you mean? I seem to be okay. Well, you, you, no, you, you, no, I of all people am not okay with it, but I can't do anything about it. You make it sound like because I tell the truth about what goes on. No, I, I just said the first thing they ought to do January 2nd 
is answer their darn phones. I'm not okay with city council members who won't answer their phones and people who won't respond to uh, messages, email messages or, or voicemail messages. No, everybody at City Hall, the mayor and city council members and even department heads. Why can't department heads return their phone calls? Because they don't. I'm not, I'm happy with it. Where did you, do you ever listen to the program? You 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 seem to be uh, you seem to be pretty uh, status quo. All right. Apparently, you don't listen to the program. It's eleven forty three. I wish we just had a lengthy conversation. I admit it went long, but I found I found some of the points Gary was making fascinating. But after all that, he's going to say that I'm good with a status quo. Gary, listen to the program. Of all the people in Binghamton, I'm the one who's on your side. I am not for the status quo. I want everything. Everything. All the city business, the county business, village business, town business, everything. County, state, federal. I want it to be debated in open session, and I want checks and balances. If I still had Gary on the line, he'd say, yeah, but you're okay with the status quo. Well, 11.43, I'm on your side. I want government to be responsive to everybody. I want everybody who is part of the government to come on the program and answer a few questions. Does that mean, does that sound like someone who's happy with the status quo? No, I always say... And this even applies to this program. Everything can be improved. Everything can be improved, whether it's radio programs or government. But, you know, if people come across and say, I'm happy with the status quo. Maybe it was just a phone problem. Or maybe, maybe I just... I'm no longer able to communicate directly with people. That's it. That's it. I'm Bob Joseph, live on a Monday morning on WNBF. Seven forty nine WNBF with the best program currently on the twelve ninety frequency in Binghamton, and that's saying quite a lot. DJ in Binghamton, you're on the air. Hey, good morning, Bob. You know the main thing that we need to realize right now that nobody is talking about at all is vitamin D three. In men, when it gets depleted, they complain. They become irritable. They become depressed. And all the, and the complaining that I heard today, first of all, you guys are dating yourself. They're, earlier, they're not pajama bottoms. 
they're called lounge pants and they're pants with pockets and they're, and they're very fashionable and you wear them everywhere. Everybody wears them everywhere. I used to, I wore them, you know, everywhere. That's, that's the one thing. They're not, they're not pajama bottoms. We're not in the 1940s anymore. So we need to get straight. There's called lounge pants. I count nine in my closet when, I, when you guys mentioned that earlier. I have nine pairs of them and they're nice and they're, they're, you know, classy wear that everybody wears. Also, I wanted to say that downtown, I think, is great. It's bustling when I go there, especially at night. All the restaurants, you got the new uh, Rich David Stadium, 38. You've got the... It's not open yet. What do you mean? It's not open. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, get real, man. Don't talk about restaurants that aren't open yet. Well, give it a couple of weeks. You said a month. I know, or two weeks ago. but but I I need to say you 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 leave the if I leave that uncorrected, you give the impression that it's open. It's not open. Probably not for another couple of weeks. Be honest with people. Course side. It's open. Fox. It's open. All those. They're great. I I'm not complaining. On a nice summer night, and you see downtown happening. I love it, man. I think downtown is the best. I, I'm the biggest supporter of downtown Binghamton. That's You won't find a bigger supporter of downtown Binghamton than Bob Joseph. That's right. And we just, you know, change is always better. I find that change is better. You know, I, 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 my sister used to take me to Phil's gift shop. And, hey, M&DR Nuts are still there. But it's not, it's not the same without the mom and pop. Belmar without the mom and pop. I used to go there in the 80s when I was a partier, a rocker, uh, and the mom and pop was there. It's just not a difference. Change is not the same. Change is better. I'm not complaining about change. I'm complaining about people who drunk and then start getting sick all over the place. I didn't like it. I didn't like seeing that when I was a kid, and I don't like seeing it now. And I don't care what your age is. If you're drinking too much when you're 12 or 112, don't. Or if you do it, do it in the comfort of your own home. I don't want to see that. As far as smoking weed downtown, enough. I know it's legal. Show a little respect. Maybe some people don't want to smell that much weed when they're on Court Street or State Street. Maybe they're just there to have a good meal. Maybe they're not big fans of cannabis. So, go to your home or your apartment or whatever and smoke your brains out. Show a little respect for other people. Ron from the West Side, good morning. Good morning, Bob. Uh, DJ just reminded me, you know, I'm, I'm uh, at home. It's almost noon, but believe it or not, I'm, I'm walking around in my lounge pants or what some people call pajama bottoms. Uh, and I have a big pocket in them for my vitamin D3 bottle. So I'm in good shape. I just want the DJ to know that. You know, I enjoyed your very energetic conversation with the gentleman talking about Boscoves and other things. I thought that was really good. But I, I just wanted to throw in quickly uh, something light as far as Boscoves goes. I was at, I was working across the street from the Boscoves store. When it opened, I was at the Chase building at that time. Now it's Merrill. And I uh, worked up on the fourth floor for New York State. And Boscoves opened. And at that time, when Boscoves opened, for, uh, for, the, for a long time, um, they had at 
noontime one. I think they did two shows. They brought in eh, kind of has been people to entertain and they do a week at Bosco's. Do you remember that? Yeah, they even had Zippy the Chimp. I don't remember Zippy, but yeah. on the fourth on the fourth floor, because the idea was, you, you know, you, you come into Bosco's and you had to go all through the store to the fourth floor. Into the, the auditorium. auditorium. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so the, the people I saw there uh, were, do you remember, Maury Amsterdam. Do you remember him? Sure, and Pee Wee Herman. No, Pee Wee Herman wasn't at Bosco's. Well, he was wearing pajama pants. He was wearing pajama pants. But Thank let's goodness. Let's not get into that. Uh, yeah, uh, you could Pee-wee picture Herman. Pee-wee Herman there trying to make a valid point. Anyway, the uh, the point about Boscov's opening, I'm looking at the front page of the paper that day, back when we had an afternoon paper. Boscov's draws thousands, 10,000. Hail Binghamton Department Stores unveiling. So those were the days. Hey, that's all the time we have for today. Maybe you can call back in tomorrow. Yeah, I'll tell you about my uh, excursions to Bosco's across the street from my work. All right. Give me a call tomorrow. Okay, bye. Thank you. And so it goes. I think we have started the program and, and the week off on a great note. I thank everybody who called in. Thank you for listening. It only gets better, folks. We have a lot to talk about this week. And I am truly the person who is on your side. I'm Bob Joseph at News Radio WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media station.